Welcome to the Perth Business Podcast, where we chat with thought leaders in the Perth business community and share insights into the people behind the brands. I'm Kyle. I'm Taryn. And I'm Jake. On this episode, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Jimmy, co-founder and owner of Whippersnapper Distillery in East Perth, where we talk all things mentors, innovation, and whiskey. Whiskey? Whiskey, oh, definitely. Oh, go on. Oh, this is our I'm this sure. is our kind of core product. Uh, yeah. Exciting. Good this is the most popular one? Yeah, so this is what we produce most of. Um, it's certainly like the most approachable style of whiskey that we produce. Like, it's definitely, so my pores are really uneven. But um, I'll leave it there. You guys just get nuts, right? So, uh, too easy. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we produce quite a few different styles of whiskey that we see on the shelf there. Um, that smells good. lovely, yeah. <laughs> What's the proper style of tasting whiskey? I should know this from my walking tour. Well, you know, there's there's tasting and there's drinking, I guess. So it depends on what you want to do. Um, drink it, you can drink it however you want. Um, but the way I would taste a whiskey is just kind of let it sit on your palate for a little bit. Don't take too much in and uh, breathe through your nose and taste some of the aromas, uh, obviously have a good nose of it too, have a smell of it, and then gulp it down to everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there should be a lot of kind of sweet characters, I mean, the style that we, we produce here is a more of an um, uh, American style, so we use corn, we use uh, different grains, we use brand American oak as well, which is um, quite unique to us, that's where you get a lot of those caramel and vanilla characters that have come through. So, so what's yeah. the difference between a, a bourbon and your whiskey? Like uh, if it's like yeah. American corn and... The difference being, um, we did still look slightly different on the still. Um, other than that, besides not being in the US, it, it is a bourbon. Um, but we don't say that. We're legally not allowed to, because uh, you have to be in the States. And um, yeah, we don't want to get in trouble, so we don't say <laughs> bourbon. And we don't want to call it a bourbon as well, because yeah, yeah. in the end it is an Australian whiskey that's what we're producing. Yeah. Um, like uh, a majority of the distillers in Australia produce single malt whiskey, um, they could also call that a scotch whiskey, but again, you're not scolding, you're not producing that, and they can get in a lot of trouble. So that's that's a style, so scotch, scotch whiskey, scotch single malt is a style of whiskey, bourbon is a style of whiskey. Uh, we're just producing it very similar, but doing it our own way. Yeah, so my, uh, I I grew up in West Australia, I grew up um, in the Wheatbelt town in Narragin, Um, I don't know if anyone knew guys in the country. Yeah, I'm from Pinjarra. Pinjarra, oh there you go, yeah, nice, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think growing up there, it kind of, um, it certainly sparks your interest in, well, I mean, being surrounded by farms and agriculture I mean I went to agricultural school and uh, college in my year 11 and 12 and post that you know um, I worked on farms but then got sucked into the mining industry a lot of young young people did at that time um, and, and one thing you, you kind of do when you live in those country towns is as a, as a young person as soon as you get your driver's license you get out of there and get to the big smoke so <laughs> um, and that's exactly what I did you know um, have big dreams of doing something um, and it wasn't until I think uh, about 2010 um, I kind of narrowed down what that big dream was um, 
and I think it culminated from years of just drinking a lot of whiskey and enjoying it, but <laughs> realizing as well, like the, the whiskey that we had on offer here uh, in, in West Australia, in, in, in Australia, um, especially with the, the American style, so our bourbons, um, it was quite limited. So it was, you know, JDs and Jim Beam, Wild Turkey, and you know, you might get adventurous a bit of um, a little bit of sim- yeah buffalo <laughs> crazy if you, can, if you can afford it you know <laughs> yeah. oh wow but uh, premium back then I think uh, premium American whiskies weren't really many I'm sure so uh, yeah it wasn't until I met my brother-in-law uh, that we kind of he shared a similar passion um, and we thought well maybe we should look into maybe starting something you know we didn't know what scale what size we just knew we wanted to make whiskey and that seemed like a pretty uh, decent lifestyle and pretty cool um, that's how <laughs> naive <laughs> we were <laughs> yeah and then lots of research and I think when you start uh, getting down that rabbit hole um, opportunities and the people you meet and start to um, initiate uh, that process whether you like it or not um and yeah, it, it kind of culminated um, about four years of kind of research and meeting people and meeting my future mentors in the industry in, in America and Scotland uh, to us then uh, formulating a business plan, um, setting up in uh, Alistair's, uh, my brother-in-law, Alistair, uh, his backyard and, and PowerPoint presentation to our family. <laughs> that's so good. That's so organic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought that's what people did, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is our first. This is my first business. Um, prior to that, I was a, a, a surveyor in the in the mining industry. Um, cool job, but you know, I think it, working in the mining industry wasn't uh, sustainable and for me. Um, and long term, you know, there, there's it's not a creative role. I, I was. I love playing with my hands, I love creating things. Um, and obviously the, the romance of making whiskey was pretty cool as well. So I thought that was a, a, a positive way forward. Um, so yeah, uh, we started to to learn about the, uh, the tough part of uh, the reality of starting a business um, pretty, pretty quickly. And we started meeting potential investors um, which you know, a lot of them would give us give us the time, but you know, you know, you're getting laughed at really when you leave. Um, <laughs> uh, it wasn't until you know a lot of family and friends we could we could share that passion and dream with them, and uh, they're the ones that really got got this business off uh, off and running. Um, but you know, for other people, sophisticated investors to kind of invest in this dream, they'll yeah, you're joking. Uh, Backyard PowerPoint's just not going to come. No, no, yeah. And it's like, have you done this before commercially? No. <laughs> but commercially. Yeah, yeah. Backyard scale, all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, um, I think having my mentors as well, Tom, Tom Cooper and Frank McCarty, uh, one from Tom's from the uh, craft distilling scene in the US, um, quite, was quite uh, prominent in in. Uh, Colorado, who's one of the first to get a craft distilling license, and then Frank McCarty, he's got fifty years in the in the Scotch malt industry, two different backgrounds, but we kind of had them, you know, uh, on our on our uh, IM, and there you go, we got a, we got a little investment and got started, and 
then then we had to actually get this place set up and um, originally we, we thought about going to the classic areas like Murray River or Swan Valley where yeah the food uh, uh, spirit and booze producers are like your wineries um, but then we stumbled across this place in East Perth and yeah fell in love with it it kind of suited our brand and what we did um, especially the the this, the people in the, our business and our friends that were starting this up together and the style of product that we're producing was aimed at a, a different, different demographic uh, for whiskey. We were trying to get um, younger people up into drinking whiskey. Um, as you guys might know, you know, whiskey's not probably big in our culture here in Australia. It's beer and wine. So neat spirits, drinking neat spirits is quite, uh, quite niche still and I guess it's looked upon as, a, say, a single malt whiskey is a, an older gentleman's drink. So we've, we're trying to kind of debunk that, which I'll talk about later. Mm. Um, so, yeah, targeting a different, different audience. So setting up right here in the city, closer to younger professionals, um, was quite crucial. So I guess insight there is understanding your audience is probably one of the most important things you can do as a business. And did you spend quite a bit of time trying to figure out that exact audience that you were going for or it just sort of happened again organically and then you, you went down that track? Uh, I'd probably say it's more organic. I think we had uh, that as a preference and that probably was because we were uh, young when we started the business. Um, but yeah, so that was mostly organic that we went down that path. We definitely wanted to do things differently. Uh, so that was just one of the other um, boxes to tick to be different. You know, the style of whiskey, how we produce it, the equipment we use. Um, you know, we're one of the first urban distilleries in Australia as well, first to produce the moonshine in Australia. So we went down this path of just being different to everyone else. Uh, and that's kind of attributed to, to young younger people being a little bit more innovative and audacious, I guess, or, or young whippersnappers, that's where that term came from. And maybe also being quite naive and stupid at the same time. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, that's that's where that was. So I guess out of the mis- mistakes and learnings, yeah. what, what do you think was a huge challenge that you've overcome or a big mistake you've made that you've had a learning come out of? Oh, where do we start with uh, mistakes? Yeah, <laughs> um, I think firstly, I think is you know any mistake you do make is an important one for any business. I think um, that's going to really def- it, I mean if you can sit back and look at your mistakes it never really define how you go forward uh, and recognize those I think um, so that that was important because we, we've made a lot of mistakes um, with this business and and that's how you learn um, but yeah uh, I, I would say going into uh, a startup like, like ours ours is quite um, unique in the fact that our revenue doesn't come until three years later so you're creating a product and three years later it's mature you can sell it so not probably not having the right capital uh, there we knew we had to have it but not being able to raise that money and not um, realising how tough it was going to be to raise that capital Um, so I think if you're going to start a business similar to ours make sure you've got the money before you start because it really delayed um, and had a snowball effect for when we did want to then start selling our whiskey three years later, that we we're laden behind with operating capital. And um, it's all well and good too, creating an awesome product, um, but then you still got to sell it. 
and then you know marketing and sales is really half half the battle here um making risky is actually pretty easy, easy well. compared to sales yeah yeah, yeah. how was your so, marketing like when you first opened was it like a bunch of like marketing hype and everything or was it just open the doors soft open oh we had um we had really good support to be honest um i think we we're lucky because we were one of the first um so and being in the city as well you know it was easy for people to get to and yeah. it weren't out in sticks um that's true, that's good. so yeah we, we had a really positive turnout to like openings yeah we had a lot of support from the city of perth um they were quite keen the economic development team there in the early days to kind mm-hmm. of uh bring some more vibrancy to the city um yeah so yeah it was, it was a good 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 start to our, our business and yeah it was just important for us then to kind of keep that ball rolling and that was yeah. hard you that's know because you know you're saying okay come down to our whiskey distillery we don't have whiskey yet though but, uh, <laughs> try some moonshine and, and come back in three years, three years. yeah, yeah. That's super polarizing as well, the moon. <laughs> yeah, audience. yeah, it is. Yeah, it is for some people. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, How did you go about like finding your mentors? Because I suppose if people out there that have like a big idea but just have no idea on like how to actually start or anything, and they're looking for sort of that Especially guidance because yours are international, international as yeah. well. So yeah, uh, pure luck. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the process uh, to follow. Yeah, yeah. 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 Strategy yeah. Just wing yeah. it. And I, I think I, I actually think it's easy to get a mentor. It's just to get that right one that you want. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people out there that want to give you advice because um, you know there's a lot of people with good opinions or have a lot of opinions <laughs> on the internet. Yeah, on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe. <laughs> but it's just about kind of finding the right one. We we're lucky, you know. Um, for an example, like Tom, you know, we just we just researched businesses or distilleries that we kind of looked up to. Uh, his uh, business, Colorado Gold Distillery in, uh, in, uh, in Colorado, uh, researched his, it's like, oh, that's about the same scale and that's kind of the price points and oh shit, he's winning lots of awards for his products, so let's, let's hit him up. Um, and out of you know hundreds of people that we emailed in the US, uh, he was the only one that really got back to us. But he, he had a, I guess an ultimatum he said look I'm actually selling my distillery um, I'm going into retirement um, I'm happy to teach you everything I know so wow. I'm like cool on one condition yeah, but you've got to travel here and meet me at this time and so we did you know we well, cool. we went I all the way to the US yeah yeah it was hectic you know going from I my first time to the US, US as well and you know flying from Perth to Sydney Sydney to LA LA to Salt Lake City Salt Lake City to Denver high car high car drive like four hours west into, into the Rocky Mountains in a Mustang you know just oh, as wow. you do, yeah. how old were you guys? I uh, no, was a Camaro uh, I was like what 24 something like that yeah you'd need a whiskey yeah. after that trip though. Like, yeah oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> loads of travel yeah <laughs> but yeah met him and he's like oh okay because we met him at this diner you know like these classic diners you see in like Hollywood movies yeah, yeah. and yeah there's pot coffee um it and a waiter comes out <laughs> yeah it's so weird and all the workers go there he, it was 6am had a meeting at this diner 
and because he used to build used to be a builder so yeah he still likes to keep that tradition going and get rocks up there with all the other contractors and they're sitting around and they're looking at us turn up in a Camaro not a Mustang sorry a Camaro which you don't have apparently in, in Colorado you have pickup trucks because oh. it's like all mountains and shit and four wheel drive tracks so <laughs> true, true. they're like they're not from around here <laughs> <laughs> we get out of this Camaro walk into this dyno and everyone's just like goes silent and like looks around Oh god! Just like, like Western, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. yeah. So that's, that's yeah the first time we met Coop, and he's like, "Cool, all right, let's let's that's start." Awesome. So yeah, that's crazy. Rest is what sort of area are you curious to move into? What's the future of Whippersnapper for you? Um, well, just growth. You know, um, we we'd love to kind of my my I mean my dream would be to set up a little R and D part of the business. Um, like have a full scientist in here and uh, do stuff to be kind of work on different um, oak varieties or different grain varieties um, produce produce whiskey more sustainably I guess for the environment um, better ways for the industry to kind of clean up um, say energy use or how we dispose of uh, our our spent products like our spent grain uh, our spent spent leaves which is comes out of the process of dis- distillation how we can use the co2 of fermentation there's a bit of that going on at the moment um but yeah it'd be cool to have a little r&d section to the business but you don't have that until you you're like massive so that's just you know to that's jack daniels yeah to jack daniels you got motives for r&d <laughs> which goes nowhere i mean a lot of the r&d comes out of the big companies because <clears throat> they've got the budgets to do it which is cool um but I think there's definitely um, a need for it in Australia. We've got a different climate, we've got different access to different uh, uh, timber species for barrels, things like that. Um, and we're a small industry, we're, we're a relatively new industry in Australia, so there, it, it wouldn't take much for the industry to, to shift if there was some new technology and whatever, um, you know, CO2 uh, sequestration. Uh, Sequestration from the fermentation, so I don't know. There's th- some of that be cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah Instead sure. of just, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, because we work in marketing, we're basically okay. we're the kind of people that think you know stories are important. So, do you think that the the story that you guys have, and I'll get you to talk about that as well, actually impacts on your product, um, or is it the product first, or a blend of the two? Yeah, it's definitely the blend of the two. Um, yeah, I think the story behind Whippersnapper with the bomber plane brings people into the brand. And then the actual product itself, you know, that's probably lingers when you when you look at the product um, or the products that we do have. But then with the product, you also um, you're drawn to more the the provenance of it or you know how it's made. Um, you know, we do. For instance, we do a lot of uh, master classes and tours here for the sole reason to educate people about whiskey and how it's made. I mean, that's when we compete um, with the imported stuff. Uh, they, they're they huge. You know, we, we can't p- compete with them on price point. We can compete with them on brand. So we do that um, organically through getting people in the door, showing them how whiskey's made, showing them that, hey, all our grains in our whiskeys are West Australian. Here's a picture of the farmer. 
he's a mate of mine I went to school with, etc. So you're kind of tying people back to um, investing people into the actual product itself. So the so, experience is important. Yep. It sort of leads into the product. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Um, I have a question. Just, yeah. do you think the nature of being in WA in Perth and from you know the wheat belt and things fed into the success? Do you think you'd be able to have the same success over east or in America or anything like that? Um, yeah, I think you you definitely have to change the story a little bit. Um, you probably wouldn't have this success. I yeah, to be frank, you uh, being a, a small distillery and a small production you know a lot of majority of our sales are local so that story only works because it's local um we don't we, we're not set up like okay it comes from the Murray river wine region and you know that because you know you've been there once and you, you live in new york you, you're not gonna know anything about the wheat belt outside of west australia really so um it probably wouldn't work that well um yeah that'd, that'd be tricky but you know for instance the upshot um Although it talks about where the grains come from on the on the back of the bottle, on the front we've got it nice and clear and bold Australian whiskey. So that's the story you'd be talking about. It's Australian whiskey. Um, what is Australian whiskey? Well, that's up for interpretation really at this stage in um, the industry. Everyone's making different styles, but uh, yeah, trying to tie it back to premium products and grains doesn't matter. That comes from the wheat belt because they're not going to know that. So yeah. 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 What sort of a where can we find this then? What sort of bars are you in? Uh, yeah, a lot of your smaller bars, um, retail as well. Uh, some of your your bigger pubs and clubs are in the place. Um, bigger retailers as well, like Dan Murphy's, for instance. They're like, they're probably one of our biggest customers at the moment yeah. for Upshot. Um, then you kind of go down the line with some of our more special releases, um, Car Strength. The quinoa whiskey jetpack, you know they'll they'll be some of them be only sell a door. Some will be specialty retail, and some of them be like just some of your high end cocktail bars and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, it's distributed across Australia though that product and oh, awesome. Yeah, so it's how all do you go place. about building those kind of relationships then, and what's the key to continuing with those and also developing new relationships, getting product out there. Um. That's that's really hard work to be honest. Um, yeah, again, it's what I talked about being the sales part of it is that's fifty percent of your your business. You know, and you've created a cool product, then you've got to go sell it. Um, and relationships are everything in in our industry, especially in hospitality. So, the on premise, so all the bars that buy your product, um, and the best way to get across. To those guys is actually um, spending the time to hang out with them, and that that can be that can be difficult when you're trying to you, because at the moment we're producing seven five days a week, um, so you're in production and then you're going out and catching up with bartenders for instance, and they can drink you under the table <laughs> once a time, um, yeah. So yeah, it, it get pretty tough, but that's yeah that's important building those relationships and hanging on to them. Um, and starting starting local as well and growing from there so ensure you've got your local supporters and your fans sorted out before you you know look overseas uh, look over east and then overseas because you know if you i guess if you just create a product and then we're just exporting it all 
yeah. you know there's that authenticity that kind of drops away from your brand um, potentially for some people yeah. Yeah. I guess so for a whiskey distiller what's a day in the life it's obviously not a nine to fiver except for the retail side of it i suppose but yeah what's it like uh it changes all the time you know um uh, i've got a cool really awesome team out there that do a lot of the hands-on work these days um so i just get to drop in ever so often and check on recipes and like do tastings <laughs> and get to talk to you guys you just cool <laughs> yeah. and drink whiskey um so sounds like research and development right? yeah yeah exactly yeah that's the start of it right yeah. so yeah i mean um i mean generally in production we'll be mashing so we're actually producing so making beer um we're fermenting we're distilling we're barreling and then we're also okay what products are coming out so we're doing tastings we're looking at branding marketing uh we're doing sales we're doing markets um so very quite a varied kind of role um i don't have a lot of input into the kind of sales kind of stuff um face to face anymore just i get to kind of concentrate on the back of house stuff awesome. um and yeah because i've got all these awesome dudes out there and ladies doing all that the hard work um which i used to do which i don't have to do anymore which is cool um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's kind of it's good as like one of the founders kind of focus on the business direction. Um, it got to a point there, I think, where you're kind of running around doing too many things and you're not thinking about where your business is going. You're kind of going from week to week, which is which is dangerous, I think, for a company to get in that position where no one's kind of driving the business forward. You're kind of just organically happening when you think, hang on, I've got to step back and just think, okay, strategically, where are we now? And where do we want to be? Because we've completely changed the last two years. We've gone off track or whatever. So, yeah, getting your head out of that that silo and and seeing what else is out there. And, um, yeah, like a side effect of success, basically, <laughs> and just having to get a team around you that can do the things that you're not able to do anymore. Yeah, yep. yeah. Or I never did well anyway. So. <laughs> that's more of the point I think <laughs> I'm actually really shit at that so I have to employ someone to do that yeah. oh and we've got some money for it perfect what's the take self-awareness yeah so do we get to ask about the new product that's coming out in November yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah um Excuse we've got a new product coming out. Yeah, it's a it's a one of it's a the start of our grain collection, which is like a, a new series of whiskies. Um, cool. So this is the first of four different styles of whiskey that will come out in the next couple of years. Uh, this is a wheat whiskey. Uh, it's been aging for four years, and it's the same wheat that we use. We've always used in the upshot. So there's ten percent wheat in the upshot. Uh, it's a red winter hardware, so it's quite a, a, a different style of grain to get to use in, in our whiskey production. But we did have to be different again, because we'd like to be a pain in the ass for everyone else. <laughs> um, it's a red winter hardware, it's high in protein, which is not really um, good for distillers, because it doesn't have the carbohydrates that we're chasing to convert into sugars. But we don't have to worry about being too efficient, because we're a small distillery, so we just worried more about the character and it being really tasty whiskey um, that's why it took four years it took four years because I, I mucked around with the distillation a little bit 
and um, made a quite a heavy uh, distillate to then go into barrel to mature really patiently for four years and just yeah it is banging like it's tasting really good um, and that's like I said it's the start of that that single grain series we'll have a a rye whiskey a wheat whiskey uh, so a rye whiskey a barley whiskey and a single malt coming out in the succession so um, not long so yeah, not long. yeah, yeah. You can add a little bit to your protein shake while it sounds good as well. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Dollars in on the, on the whiskey train. Yeah, it's all the stories. Yeah. Well, that's what the king wants. Yeah. 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 All, all the crossfitters out there. The health conscious mums. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we. You'd be surprised how many people ask us if that is uh, gluten free and awesome. all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Is it organic and? It's you know, organic. It's like, yeah, yeah sure it is. It's gluten free. Yes. <laughs> Everything's gluten free. It's true. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, the quinoa, the quinoa whiskey was a really fun project to kind of start to open up that conversation about um, whiskies don't have to be made with barley or just just corn. It could be made with different about it. Yeah, push the boundary for sure. Like yeah, innovative. Yep. It's a classic with a snapper. Taking the piss all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what sort of stuff do you do outside of work then? What's the weekends? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you can remember. Yeah. 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 Likes the gym. It's <laughs> 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 a high protein. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. I it, I don't know. Do you have time? <laughs> yeah. I think I have time these days, yeah. Uh, I, I just love getting out, outdoors to be honest um, love doing a bit of woodwork and yeah yeah I actually um, just bought a little property down down south so I kind of oh, get nice. away every weekend now so I work in Perth and then get back down I think growing up in the country um, I don't know if you resonate with this but you kind of do miss that quiet and it's being able to just do whatever you want yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Get on the BMX and go for a ride, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can put on the BMX. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> 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 That's amazing. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Cool. I like all these little pictures up here as well. Yeah. Oh, that's um. There's some original photos of um, Vic. So Vic's a uh, bit of inspiration for my brother-in-law Alistair. Uh, it was his neighbour, neighbour in uh, Scarborough. So, and um, that's a couple of pictures of Vic in Germany flying Lancasters. Oh, wow. It's Vic's recipe and another guy yep. from America, right? Tom. Tom. Tom, oh. yeah. Yeah, a bit of Vic's recipe, Tom's, um, and then we kind of bring it into the 21st century a little oh. bit and, and, and tweaked it for who we're going to sell it to and yeah. Australians. And, um, and when I talk recipe, it's just kind of, you know, two parts of cracked corn this and that cook it to this so yeah pretty pretty basic but um, that's where it all his inspiration started was his neighbour um, Vic, Vic Tanner so yeah and that's that Alice's grand, grandfather who also flew for the New Zealand Air Force um, in World War 2 yeah is that where the bomber plane that's where the bomber comes from, from. yeah yeah because um, yeah it was it, I guess we were kind of sharing our stories uh, to our graphic designer shout out to Jared at Zendo who's a legend <laughs> um, and I think his our story stood out he was like oh, 
an idea and comes back with these two barrels underneath her Lancaster. It's like, yeah, that's the logo right there. It kind of, it's kind of stuck in since. Oh, yeah. It's also a, a testament to those guys who, um, who extremely brave, got in these, you know, probably a, a bit younger than us when we started the business, jumped into business. Completely not comparing what they did to what we did, but um, they jumped into these tin cans and um, flew bombing sorties over, over Germany. It's just nuts. Um, the bravery those guys had, so yeah, it's a testament to them and tribute, I guess. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's and good. yeah, I guess a testament to you is that wall full of award certificates. Yeah. Oh, do you Tell us that? about like, oh, yeah, thanks. what? <laughs> oh, the oh just a couple of awards. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what have we got in? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's, what's the big ones? Start with the big ones. Uh, what are some of the big ones there? Um, we got best um, corn whiskey, um, runners-up corn whiskey in the world. Um, wow. Second to one, that was in 2074, the upshot. So uh, we lost out to uh, Texan Distillery, which is fine because they're you know, home of bourbon, right? You're a so, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. And they reached out to us to say congratulations. Oh my God, they just, someone just messaged and said congratulations. They're like a proper distillery in Texas. That's they're nuts. a real distillery. Yeah. It's like when you're not, you're an adult, but you're not the adultier adult. Yeah, no, never will be. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. Um, and since then, I would say, for instance, uh, uh, car strength, that's one... So we've got the Perth Royal Distilled Spirit Award, which is run through the um, Ag Society and do the, the Royal Ag Show and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, that's one I'm most proud of, I think, because it's local. People understand what the Royal Ag Show is and all the awards, like the Food Awards, the Beer Awards. And it, the inaugural one was last year and we got Champion Whiskey. Wow. And that's out of, I think it's about 80 whiskeys that got into it around Australia. And we got it again this year. Amazing. Nice. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So that's cool. I think that's because we enter a lot of the international ones. We do a lot one a year because it's expensive, right? Um, you got the World Whiskies and San Fran. They're the kind of reputable ones. Uh, but yeah, super expensive to enter. The Australian ones are nice and cheap. What you get back out of it is awesome because you get um, actual non-biased or um, proper tasting notes and criticism about your product which helps helps us develop and take on on board that criticism or if there is any and go forward and fix things and yeah and a lot of the judges they get are well respected within Australia and yeah, you know some of them and you go oh cool that's yeah I can understand why they're saying that and mm. whereas these like just take your money and give you a award potentially and that's it <laughs> and I think from a marketing point of view as well um you know, local awards probably do more for you than just a sticker in your bottle. But, yeah, yeah. And, and the feedback, obviously, you yeah. you change or you alter your product, you take that feedback on board, and then that just makes the product better and your marketing just flows from there, really. Yep, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So how do you become a taster at these competitions? <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, from mate. Yeah. 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 yeah, That would be... <laughs> You guys do your own labels in-house as well. How long does it take you to do... Is that like a full batch that you would do in a day? Yeah, we can do probably a barrel a week. Mm. Um, so 250 bottles. Mm. We've, been, we've been super busy, so we've been doing about two barrels mm. a week. Um, and that's, that's just one person um, and another person 
helping out a little bit. So, yeah, like the guy I was in here bottling before, he does uh, all our tours and master classes. Yeah. And on the, on the side, he will do the bottling. So everyone's got different roles and they're quite random, you know, so. That's pretty cool. Though. Yeah. yeah that's junk it. Yeah. So do you have a marketing person in the team or do you just kind of ad hoc it? Yes, just wing it. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, originally to set all this up, we had a really good friend of ours um, do a lot of the marketing and she worked for us. Um, and uh, along with Jared, who, who does our branding, mm-hmm. those two together, and then involving uh, myself and Tim, who who's a good mate of mine who now lives in Sydney, who kind of once got it up and running. Um, but now it's just me at this stage because that's all we can afford um, until we get someone, <laughs> someone to do it full time. So, yeah. Did you kind of start with product? So I suppose for the imagery, it's quite important um, for various like, reasons across different channels for people to visualize it as well, recognize the brand. How did you go about, like, did you get a professional photography in first go or did you guys try it yourselves? Imagery as in, like, the product imagery? Yeah, the product, yeah. um, That was always professional, I think. Especially for, like, the e-commerce side, I think. Mm. It was always professional. Um, The social media stuff, like, I I play around. Mm. I like taking photos, so... Mm. Uh, That's different, I guess. It's a little bit um, easier than the professional Behind side behind the scenes sort of yeah yeah a little bit more lifestyle so you can be a little bit more of a shit photographer I guess um, <laughs> we call them creatives <laughs> sorry yeah, yeah. The, it's more yeah, authentic the, yeah. the amateur photographers out there yeah. Yeah. so you don't have to fork out big dollars for the good photographers but you know there's a difference huge difference there right so yeah, um, yeah and now now we're at a point where we get a new product that we We've got a place, we've got a guy who does super good product photos and we send him, send them the bottle, send them product over there and get it all done up because, yeah, um, Jared puts a lot of effort into that label and the design and, and um, everything on that label, so it needs to be visually spot on and it needs to be a real photo, so um, got to do it justice, yeah. So, Jimmy... If you were to go back 10 years and speak to yourself, give yourself some advice, what would you say? Hmm, what would I say? I would say, be humble, be approachable, be credible. That's brilliant. (laughs) Short and sweet.